A Business Couch with Dr. Yishai, Episode 151. Welcome to The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai. I'm your host, Dr. Yishai Barkadari, psychologist and adaptability coach to entrepreneurs and business leaders. I believe that working on your business is more important than working in your business. If you want to achieve your business goals and dreams without the cost and pain of having to make every mistake yourself, then The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is the podcast for you. I'm here to help you learn from the lessons of entrepreneurs and business leaders to help you work on yourself and your business so that you can save time, energy, and grow faster. For those of you new to the show, The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai presents three new episodes each week. On Insight Sunday, we dive into the minds of business leaders through insightful guest interviews. On Story Tuesday, we dig deeper with them and learn firsthand from their stories, hard-earned lessons, and experience. On Thrive Thursday, it's just you and me on the couch, where you'll hear scientific research, my thoughts, and tangible tactics to adapt and grow yourself and your business. Grab a proverbial seat and listen up so you can learn from the minds and mistakes of business leaders and apply their wisdom to your life and business. My Story Tuesday conversation with Paul Chambers is so packed that I just had to share it all with you, and that means giving it to you in two parts. In part one, Paul shares vulnerable yet powerful stories of failure that helped him to strip away and conquer the fear of failing as an entrepreneur and leader. He shares his lowest point, being in over six figures of debt with twins on the way and almost nothing in his bank account and what helped him not only move forward, but change his entire perception of failure and has allowed him to pursue and create success. And of course, that's not even our whole conversation. In part two, we're going to have a special story Tuesday where Paul continues to share lessons that he's learned so that you can learn from them too. Before we dive in, I wanted to share that the Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is brought to you by Adaptability Coaching and Consulting. If you lead a seven-plus-figure business and want to reach the next level for yourself and your business, if you have passions, goals, and dreams, and want to continue to strive as a team, a leader, and a visionary without risking burnout, if you have overcome challenges, developed wisdom, and know that adapting is not just for surviving, but a core part of thriving, then adaptability coaching is for you. With psychology and neuroscience-backed tools, the 3D adaptation framework can show you how to tap into and harness the way our brains are uniquely designed for adaptation. You can learn to harness and leverage adaptability tools and frameworks to grow yourself and your company. You can learn to become fast, flexible, and formidable. You can learn to hone yourself further, to proactively adapt, to thrive, instead of reactively adapting, just to survive. To learn more, go to dryishai.com slash coaching. 
Join me in welcoming Paul Chambers, serial entrepreneur, CEO of Core3 Solutions, CEO and founder of Element5 Digital, and co-founder and CEO of the Subscription Trade Association. Welcome back, Paul. Dr. Yusha, thank you so much for having me back. I appreciate it. My pleasure. I am so excited to dive in today. And just before we dive in, I wanted to say that on Insight Sunday, we covered your really beautiful description of entrepreneur never satisfied syndrome. And we also talked about how your passion, your drive has really moved you from focusing on and having goals and bars that are really for yourself and then for your family to really expanding that lens and wanting to create and change and impact and shape the world. Everything from Comcast <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, and their Comcast. Yeah. Comcast. Uh, <laughs> to so many experiences. And we had so many stories about airlines that can either be just this incredible experience that people want to sign up for forever, or can be so off-putting that people just have a miserable experience and wish they could get away, right? They can't run away fast enough. And that makes such a big difference. So if you guys haven't yet, go back and listen to Insight Sunday's episode. And I want to thank you again, Paul, for joining me on the couch and I'm really excited to dive in on Story Tuesday, where we explore and learn from your hard-earned lessons, or I like to sometimes say hard-learned wisdom. Yeah, I like that that way of saying it, you know, because I certainly have had my fair share of failures and challenges, and I really try and use the word challenges a lot more. I like whenever somebody comes to me with a problem, I like to reframe it and say, okay, well, this is a challenge, right? It feels like a problem, but it's just a challenge. So let's figure out how to work through it. And we talked about it a little bit on the last episode when my very first business, my grandfather loaned me this $10,000 to start a dial-up internet service provider. And I failed miserably at it. And the challenge there was to figure out a way to use what I had and to be able to make money to repay them. Mm-hmm. And I remember at the time, like going around and going to some of the local internet service providers and website development shops in town and trying to get jobs with them because I wanted to learn enough to then take those skills and apply them into starting my own. And, you know, they'd say, Oh, well, yeah, pull up a webpage you've designed. I'd like to see it. And I pulled up like just a simple little rinky dink webpage that I built for my business. And they're like, Oh, that looks, yeah, that's cool. That's nice. Um, we'll call you if we could use any help. Certainly I'm like, Oh, I feel like you said you might need some help, but okay, it's not good enough. And then um, I got my first website gig, my stepfather's company he was working for, a magazine called Inside Automotives International. And I started building their website for $5 an hour. Mind you, $5 an hour was below minimum wage at the time and was a highly skilled talent thing that I was doing. So it should have been 15 or $20 an hour, but I was just so happy to have the experience mm. and to be doing it. And you take what's there and just have to figure out how to make it work and how to get through it. I always yeah. tell my wife, we'll never, we'll never be poor. You know, we'll always find a way. And look, if we have to live in a cardboard box, we'll live in a cardboard box because money doesn't matter at the end of the day. Then what matters is if we have each other, right? And if we have the support of each other, then we can get through anything. If you want more money, then you can go make more money. I'll go work. I'll go flip burgers. I don't care. You know, do whatever we need to do. It's so, incredible dedication. Yeah. And part of that is that's come with time. You know, it's 
removing the fear of failure takes a lot of work and a lot of experience, I think, sometimes to get there. Because I see it in our team members where sometimes they're afraid to try new things or they're not sure it's how it's going to work out. And you have to have consistent conversations of, you know, it's okay. Look at, let's try this. If it doesn't work, I'm not going to be mad. Nobody's going to be mad. If we go into this with the understanding of we're going to try this and see what happens and whatever results we get back or other results that we get back, then we're setting that expectation now that it's okay. You know, taking a step back for a second, even further for me, that like, I don't ever care if the business, that I don't care. I have less fear of failure. It came from when I was one of my lowest points. I had a chain of gourmet popcorn stores that I built up and got into from 2004 until 2010. 10 was the official end. But in 2008, so I had a location in downtown Royal Oak and I was a franchisee in the system and I had four mall locations and I built up all these stores and then 2008 happened. And what I used to be able to sell for a gift tin for $30, I couldn't even give away. I couldn't do three for $30, right? Mm -hmm. The market just tanked that much with disposable income and consumption of goods and things like that. And uh, went through a really tough time with having to shut down the businesses. The franchisor no longer wanted to be in the franchising business. We had a very expensive argument with our attorneys involved. Mm -hmm. And I had six figures in legal bills, mounting debt, a massive you know, lawsuit ongoing, and twins on the way, and $1,500 in our bank account. Mm -hmm. And it was the absolute like lowest point we were at. What wasn't lacking was support from my friends and my family. When you get into those situations, that's when you find out who your true friends are and who truly cares about you. Mm -hmm. So ones that will do anything for you. I will not name this person because I don't want to get them in trouble, but I had a good friend who running another business. He's like, look, I don't have cash to give you, but if you have room on your credit cards, I'll run your cards for you and give you the cash less the fees to pull off of it. You're not allowed to do that with your merchant processing, right? That's a big no-no. Mm -hmm. It's basically a cash advance. Mm -hmm. But he did it for me because he knew the situation I was in. Mm -hmm. He didn't have the resources, like the cash in his pocket to help me, but he found a way to help me. Mm -hmm. And it's those moments, that moment in my life that removed that fear. And I, I sit back and look at it like, we were still happy. We had the twins on the way. We had the girls. I figured out a way to build back from that. I'm still servicing little pieces of that debt today, but a majority of it I've paid back. I built myself back up from that low and I'm still here. You know what I mean? I'm still alive. Mm -hmm. All that matters. It's so powerful. And it's so important to understand you're talking about removing fear of failure and what it takes. And what I'm hearing is that for you, a big piece of that was being thrown into a crucible. And the idea of a crucible as like a physical object is there's like a mortar and a pistol and it's just like smashing and slamming and grinding you to pulp. And it really sounds like it was just from so many different directions. And what I heard that I think is so important is having the support and the right kind of support and the right people and people who would show you, they will do anything they can. They will do what it takes to help you find your way forward mm -hmm. and to draw a parallel. When somebody enters the workforce, somebody joins your team and they're afraid, what you can create for them is an environment where 
no matter what happens, no matter how much that crucible, the pestle comes down and smashes at them, that you will be supportive. Mm -hmm. And as you communicate that, especially as they encounter it, the more moments they have where they have this, oh my God moment, or, oh dear Lord, I messed up, right? The F word over and over again, (laughs) the more of those moments they have, right? And the more they come out of that and they experience you and the company and the people around them as supporting them, they're not going to lose you. Mm-hmm. You're not going to chuck them out for it. They're going right. to say, okay, what and how can we figure this out? We're here for you. That's the process. I'm hearing that's the process for you. And yeah. I'm drawing a link to that's the process they need to experience. And it'll start in very small ways because we tend to take very small risks. We're not going to take giant risks especially with our own emotional and financial well-being. Right. And for me personally, it's not something that, I mean, look, reflecting on my career, it's a building thing. It's learning and growing along the way. And it's those experiences that help shape that ultimate outcome. And now oftentimes what I say to my team is, you know, it's okay to make mistakes. The only thing I ever ask is that we learn from them and we work to not make those mistakes again, right? Let's understand and learn the mistakes that we've made and let's try and minimize making those same ones again. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it might happen, right? You know, boy, that Facebook ad said again, just didn't work out. We tried, but it just wasn't the right thing. But let's try, let's really try hard to learn and make sure that we can continuously improve in the things that we're doing. Yeah. Focus on continuous improvement over looking at or assigning blame or seeing exactly what's wrong. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's clear right? Sometimes it's clear and, and right there and you can see it. And then sometimes it's, it takes a minute to figure it out and to get through it. But not everybody's, I guess, is accepting of that right out of the gate. Not everybody understands that failure is okay. I think this is a building thing you have to learn over time. Yeah. And again, I'm hearing that it's important and it's going to build over time. And something I think is really important, I've seen actually in a lot of research is people will take risks when they have an area of safety, some area of foundation to jump off from, right? It's like people are more likely to dive into a pool if there's a diving board than if there's nowhere to jump from, right? Right. If it's, you know, just stairs all around the edges of the pool, people are very unlikely to take a dive into that pool. Whereas if there's a diving board, you know, even if there's a deep end, I mean, you know, you kind of want there to be a deep end because you're taking a dive, but right. But even if there are parts of the pool that are shallow, parts of the pool that might hurt, the way in which it might hurt. Having a foundation, a piece of security from which to take that risk is very important. Something else you said that I'm really interested, I want to dig into, minimizing mistakes. I just had a thought and I wanted to run it by you, see what your thought is. A lot of people talk about, and I think very frequently, we think about minimizing mistakes as trying to do that upfront before we've made the mistake, as opposed to recognizing that mistakes are okay. It's about addressing so that we're minimizing a recurrence of mistake mm-hmm. rather than minimizing the mistake at the beginning. Right. And you talked about it being okay to make mistakes. Yeah. It's about learning and adapting, learning from what you've done and that it is okay. That if you do make that mistake, it's okay. Like let's not freak out. Let's understand like, okay, here's what happened. Here's what we need to do next time. And then we're in a good spot. We don't need to dwell on it anymore. I often find myself having to say this over and over again, because I think inside of us, there's this, sometimes this fear of like, it's not going to forget about that I did this. 
by with me, I think you find this with a lot of like forward thinking entrepreneurs and we're not going to dwell on the past. If I sat here and thought about like, man, like if I just had that popcorn store money and I didn't blow all that and it didn't screw up, it didn't create challenges with my family. Gosh, would I be in such a better spot? Boy, oh boy. And I sat there and thought about all that, all that energy that I'm using from thinking about that and wishing I had done it differently could be so much better spent in a positive direction and in moving forward and doing things. And so I see the same thing with my team of this mistake that we made over here, this challenge that we had, we're going to move on from it. I'm not going to bring it up again. You don't need to bring it up again. Let's move forward and figure out a way to get it done and do it right. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's oftentimes the focus that we have and at least that I try and put forward in both my personal life and with the team. Yeah. I'm hearing that the way that you reduce or prevent really holding onto or dwelling and getting stuck in a cycle of just rehashing the same mistakes and failures over and over again is to engage in that forward thinking. And I'm hearing almost like the mechanism for that is let us figure out what we can learn from it. Take that. And then from there forward, there's just steps forward. It's really only about taking steps forward. The only reason to come back to that is if we take some steps forward and something else didn't work yeah. or if there's a lack of clarity, but then you're not just dwelling on it. There's something else that's prompting you to say, okay, let's look at this. Let's figure out. And it's again, can even be something different. It's not the same thing now, but something a little bit different. And it's really about the process of saying, being forward thinking and considering what can I learn from this is actually a process that helps shift away from or out of just getting stuck in a cycle of that or dwelling on it. Right. Right. It's not easy. It certainly is, has its challenges, but if you can get there and you can find ways to just address it, learn the lesson, make a mental note and create that muscle memory of, okay, let's not do this again. And we move forward. And it's funny in my personal life with the firefighting that I do, sometimes those moments, like you really got to be ready to go because you don't have that Mm -hmm. time. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we had a garage that was on fire way in the backyard of this house. And we've got these pre-connects we pull off of the fire engine and they have certain amount of length. Mm -hmm. We weren't sure if we were going to need more length or not to get back to this garage. And you have to have to think quickly because if that mistake you made, you know, if you get the line charged and you don't have enough length, you're not going to get that fire knocked down. And so luckily in that instance, we are fine. But if we weren't, you make adjustments and you figure out, you know, how to, how to make it better next time in business. What we're doing isn't like firefighting. There's not a building that's burning down. We spent a couple extra bucks on some ads. We made a small little error in a typo on a web page. Like, okay, let's figure out not to do that again because it makes us look bad mm-hmm. or we're wasting money on this, but nobody's dying. There's not a building that's burning down. We don't need to like be, you know, extra sensitive about it. So it's funny to kind of compare and contrast those. But sometimes there are those times where the lessons that you learned are small and incremental. It's like, okay, I parked the fire engine on the wrong side of that street here. I misread the addresses. Little impact this time, but if the house was actually on fire, it would have had a bigger impact. So mm-hmm. now I create this muscle memory to help improve that next time. Mm-hmm. And so um, 
hopefully if there's a house on fire, it allows us to get there faster and to help save that faster. And yeah. And what you're talking about sounds to me so much like the adaptive brain, right? Our adaptive brain is constantly reevaluating and helping us make those little shifts because if we never did that, well, then we would just get into like one habit, one way of doing things, and we would apply it indiscriminately everywhere, which is how you get yourself into trouble. I'm sure both as a firefighter, but also, you know, in business. And what I find really interesting is from my perspective, the system through which we do that is actually the system that prompts me, that feels uncomfortable, that has this moment of, oh my goodness, it were a fire and I was parked on the other side of the street, right? There's this moment of recognition that says, ooh, that could have gone badly. And that's part of the mechanism as well. That actually helps my adaptive brain say, okay, let me learn something. Let me shift, right? Let me, metaphorical sense, turn the wheel and park or be somewhere else. Let me make this change and moving forward to do things somewhat differently. Sometimes I think people get really stuck in that. And when people talk about feeling regret or getting stuck in this loop and feeling really terrible about themselves or being self-critical and doubting themselves over and over again, sometimes what's happening is their adaptive brain is trying to help them, but they don't know how to use it. They don't know how to take that and move forward. They actually don't understand that it's trying to help them move forward. And so they view that as itself an issue or a problem. Yeah. What would happen if we never experienced any regret? What would happen when we looked back on mistakes? How would we feel if we weren't experiencing right. regret? Everything's fine. No problem. Yeah. What does that mean the next time we're faced with that decision? Are we going to make a different decision? That's an interesting thing. For a while, I had a note of the book that I wanted to write someday. And it was, uh, couldn't think of a better title than The A-Hole Entrepreneur because there's a couple times in my life where I've crossed paths with entrepreneurs that weren't nice people, but somehow still got ahead. Mm. And it's always super confusing for me. Mm. Like how can you continue to take advantage of people and do these things and act that way, but still mm. somehow be successful in business? Mm. I don't understand that. Mm. It's almost like they didn't have regrets. They didn't feel bad. Mm. And I got a chance to reconnect with one of them several years later, like maybe five, 10 years after we ended our business relationship. And it's funny because my mom and I, we go to lunch once a month and she'll often ask me, she's like, why aren't you so mad at that person? Aren't you so mad at this person? And you know, I always say like, well, I'm mad at them because of what they did or what they didn't do. And, but it doesn't mean I'll feel that way for the rest of my life. I feel that way right now. And I don't want to talk to that person right now. I don't hate them. It's a strong word. I just really dislike them. But I bet at some point in my life, I'll be able to forgive and forget and we'll move on and we'll laugh about it. And so I had that moment with this other entrepreneur. And, you know, I said, um, you know, yeah, last time we talked, I think I had you named in a lawsuit. He goes, yeah, yeah. You know, we laughed about that for a minute. He said, you know, I lost about $7 million on that business deal. He said he lost $7 million. I personally lost around a million. And, and this was, you know, at the popcorn stores. And um, to me, I always felt like he got out ahead on that deal. Mm. I always felt like he just, I have a very vivid memory of sitting with a, a lunch with him in Florida saying, I need you to refund this money to me, this $300,000 I invested in. That's not happening. You know, I'm like, man, like you have all this money and you're doing just fine and you can't mm. do this and make it right, even though you know what you did was wrong. And turns out he was just as impacted, in fact, far more than I was on that. Hmm. And so my impression of him is that he didn't have regret. 
Mm-hmm. He didn't have bad feelings. He didn't feel bad about it. Now, could he have handled it differently? And could we have had an open conversation about it? Absolutely. But that wasn't, wasn't his thing. It wasn't where he was at his point in life to do that. Mm-hmm. Maybe something else caused him to develop the wall. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting. And I still think there's some entrepreneurs out there that just get lucky, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes and they lead with just bad ways and mm-hmm. it's successful for them. I don't know how, but it is. Yeah, I'm really curious what came out of that conversation in terms of your perception of what you call the a-hole entrepreneur. Thanks for joining us today on The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai. If you enjoyed today's episode, take a moment to rate and review the podcast. It helps grow the show and gives more people like you the ability to learn and grow. You can also click the share button to share today's episode directly with someone you know who would enjoy it. The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai podcast artwork is made by Sam Barkadari, show notes by Yishai Barkadari, and music by www.purple-planet.com. The advice and opinions of the host and guests are our own. I'm a psychologist, but not your psychologist. The conversations and content of this podcast do not contain or create any psychology practice, diagnosis, or therapist-patient relationship with either the guest or the listener. So do your own research before using anything from this podcast. Thank you for listening. Remember, our thoughts and reactions affect our actions. By listening, we can learn from the challenges others face and the choices they make so that we can make better decisions and get better results. 